0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, I'm good. So glad to see you guys today. I miss seeing you last week. Man, I want to thank Ryan Chasen for sharing with us. He's not in here, but let's give him a hand just for a, a great job of sharing. And uh, man, it's so great to see how God is using him, not just in our student ministry, but uh, in leading our church and and so I know a lot of you guys were out of town as well, perhaps last week. And so uh, last time I saw many of you was Easter Sunday. And uh, we want to celebrate all that God did. We shared some of this last week, but for those that weren't here, uh, we want to share, uh, you know, we, we had a, uh, as a staff, uh, we had a goal. Um, and, and that goal was, is that we begin to ask the question, what would, what, what if, what if God brought 800 people here over that Easter Sunday? And, and some of you guys may be new, and, and if you're new, listen, I want to tell you this, that, that we are so glad that you're here, um, and we have been praying for you. We don't necessarily know your name, but we know that God's bringing you here, and God's going to bring somebody here for the first time. So we've been praying for you, planning for you, we've been preparing for you to be here. And, um, and, and so you may be like, okay, well, okay, so the first thing the pastor's going to do is start talking about numbers, right? But here's, here's our philosophy, is it, we believe this, that, that every number is a person, every person matters to God. So when we celebrate the fact that 839 people joined us and were a part of Easter Sunday, we we celebrate that not because it was one of the largest, if not the largest, attended Sundays in the history of River Club Church. But but we say that because God had the opportunity, and we believe God impacted hundreds and hundreds of people with the message of Jesus. And so I just want to celebrate that. So let's celebrate with me. 839 people showing up, being a part of that service and those three services. Uh the, the cool thing is, is at the end of most of our services, we talk about um, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, or you want to know more about that, to go and pick up a, a devotional book with some information in it. We had 26 of those books picked up over the course of those three times. We don't know that, the, that necessarily every one of those decisions, but we know from those decisions, I know especially for for several, that there were people that put their faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time. And we want to celebrate that as well, because that's amazing. And if you're you're one of those people who put your faith and trust in Jesus, or maybe you've done that recently, your next step is something that is called baptism. And baptism is the way where you now take that personal decision you've made and you share that publicly and our next baptism service is going to be May 21st. And so you'll find out more information and see that in the worship guide. On your connect card, if you want to get baptized, I want to encourage you to, or find out more about it, I want to encourage you to fill that out and turn that connect card in on your way out because that's going to be a way we can follow up and continue to to support you and encourage you as you grow in this. And here's the coolest thing too. We we challenge ourselves as a church that said, listen, we want to go all in. And we made three challenges. We said we want you to commit to worship, to serve, and to invite. And we know that many of you showed up and you worshiped. If you were out of town, you worshiped wherever you were. We know that so many, over 150 of you, decided to go all in that Sunday and serve as a part of that time. And many of you invited. And because of that, I believe God leveraged those that Sunday in a, in a powerful way to, to change lives, not just for today, but for all about eternity. So let's just celebrate and give God a hand for all that he did for us. <clears throat> Listen, we want to continue to be a church of expectation, a church that says, what could God do and do our part to trust him And to serve and plan and pray and prepare. Because I believe this. God is not in the business of changing lives one day a year. He wants to change lives every day. He wants every Sunday to be somebody's first time. Every Sunday to be the day where somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Uh, Every Sunday to be a time where somebody comes in broken, hurting, confused, and finds hope. And that's the kind of church that we want to be at River Club. And so I want to thank you for being a part of that. And I'm excited about this new series we're beginning today called This Is Me. You know, so much of life and living life well is about having and knowing the, the, the right answers to the right questions. You know, there, there's some foundational questions in, in our lives that, that we all ask, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And, and two of those foundational questions have to do with identity and purpose. You know, if you're taking notes, pull out your uh, your, your worship guide on the back. There's some, a place if you want to fill in some blanks or, or take some notes. I want to encourage you to do that. But these two questions, the first one's a question of identity. And it's this question of who am I? Where we, we all go through this, this time and these seasons of really asking the question, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Who Who am I? Who was I meant to be? Who do people expect me to be? How, how will people accept me depending on who I am? We go through these struggles. We know there's certain seasons in life where maybe we go through these a little bit more specifically, like through adolescence, or maybe if you're like me, you just turned 40 and you're kind of wondering, okay, when's that midlife crisis really going to kind of hit? I'm hoping it hits about 55 because I want to live to like 110. You know what I mean? I'm like, 40 is way too early to be halfway done, right? But, you know, so you're kind of like, okay, is this one of those times? Do I need to go buy a new car? Like, what's going to happen? You know, like, well, you know, what, what's going on? And, you know, do you need to color my hair? No more gray. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. But, you know, you kind of have these times where we ask these questions of who am I? You know, what, what's really, you know, my identity? What defines me? And, and alongside that so often is the question of purpose. And it's the question not of who am I, but what am I to do? You know, what's the purpose of my life? What's, what's the plan for my life? How does my life have meaning and, and fulfillment? And, and how do I know that I'm doing the right thing? You know, we live in a culture where they, they say now with, with uh, you know, Gen X and Gen Y that, that, that people will have multiple careers throughout the course of their life. Where generations before, you know, maybe had like they, they did one job and they did that forever until they retired that more and more there's different seasons in, li- in the lives of people. And so even jobs in that definition of kind of who am I is changing at different times for different people. Now, I was reading this book called Identity by a, a pastor and author named Eric Geiger. And he says this, and I believe this is, this is where, where I am. It's where many of you are, whether you're a follower of Christ or not. But th- th- this, is, this is our desire. He says, everyone searches for a clear identity. We long to possess a strong sense of who we are, and we crave to be known for something. That we all want to have the, the, the answer to that question and believe and live out the answer to the question of who am I? What's my identity? Who am I really? Who am I supposed to be? And then that purpose. That we want to be focused around something of significance. And, and, and the reality is this, is that, that if you're taking notes, write this down. That, that if we're going to determine our what, if we're going to determine our, our purpose, we have to first begin with our identity. I said it this way, to help find our what, we need to first understand our who. Because identity should always come before purpose. Identity defines our life. It directs our life. Sometimes we want to use our purpose and what we do as our identity, but that actually gets it backward. I believe everything begins with identity because identity defines and directs us. So this, this week, something's cool that is happening in our, our, our life. Um, we, we're having our, our, our oldest daughter's birthday on Tuesday. And so on Tuesday, I I I will have been a parent for 15 years, which is just crazy because I'm not that old, but that's just kind of how it works, right? And so for 15 years, I've been a parent. And you know this if you're a parent, or one day if you get to be a parent, you'll kind of know this, or a grandparent, you're looking back saying, okay, I, I get that too. But so often, you know, God can use anything to really point us to his truth. And sometimes God actually uses the things that our kids are forcing us to watch on TV to teach us a spiritual point. And so I was thinking this week about identity and how I believe that identity is foundational and identity really defines and directs our lives. And I started thinking back to a series of movies called Ice Age, right? How many of you guys have seen Ice Age or one of those? All right, so a good number of you have seen that, right? right. So Ice Age tells the story, it follows the story in the first one of these three prehistoric animals surviving the prehistoric Ice Age. So there's a woolly mammoth named Manny, there's a sloth named Sid, and a saber-toothed tiger named Diego. I know you're like, oh, I've got to watch this, it's going to be incredible. But in the second movie, they, they survive the first part, and in the second one, Manny finds another woolly mammoth. And we're introduced to this character called Ellie. Now, Ellie's a female woolly mammoth. Now, what's interesting is you get to kind of watch the movie and you begin to see what's going on is although she's a woolly mammoth, she thinks she's a possum, right? It's deep, I'm telling you, it's deep. Now, what happened was is that she was adopted and kind of taken in by these two, I don't know if you call them possums um, or possum, I don't know, just just ignore that part, but but these two possum-like figures, right? And they're, they're taken in and they adopt her and they've raised her to believe that she's a possum. So what happens is kind of this kid humor of stuff is that everything she does, she doesn't do it like a woolly mammoth. She does it like a possum. So when it's time to go to sleep, she hangs from her tail from a tree. And she can't find a tree that's big enough to support her. Why? Because she's really a woolly mammoth, right? And so she sees something and she's scared of it, even though she's gigantic because she's a woolly mammoth. But her identity is, is that she's a possum. And so throughout the, the second movie, there's this journey that Ellie takes of trying to discover her identity. And they're trying to convince her that you're not a possum, you're actually a woolly mammoth. And as childish as that might seem, that's the journey I think we're all on. Our identity determines our direction. It defines and directs our life. And and, and, and if we were, say, we were Ellie and we believe we were a possum, then no matter whether we're a woolly mammoth or not, we're going to live like a possum. So we understand our identity because our identity is so foundational to us. And so so we've we've gotta, I believe, kind of look at that. And that's what we want to do throughout this series. A more sophisticated way of maybe sharing the same point was written by um this leadership guy named John Maxwell. So you guys have heard him. He's what he really says. He says, You cannot consistently act in a manner inconsistent with the way you see yourself. That you cannot act consistently in a manner inconsistent with the way you see yourself. In essence, what he's saying is, is you can't be Ellie. And, you know, you you have to understand your identity. If you think you're a possum, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to act like a possum. And so the truth is this, is that our identity is so important. And so if we want to find our purpose in life, which so many of us do, we've got to begin by understanding our identity. Well, then to understand that who, to understand that identity, we've got to determine where to look. Because something or somebody is your life. Something or somebody defines your life. You're looking to somebody, to something to determine your identity. You know, for some, our identities are wrapped up in our jobs. You know, who am I? Well, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a banker. You know, I'm a policeman. You know, that, you, know, that you know, that defines who you are. For some, that defining moment, that defining thing is a relationship that you're in. That relationship is what really gives you identity. For some, maybe it's something you have in your life, that you're known as the guy with the, the biggest house on the block. You're known as the family with the nicest yard or not the nicest yard. You know, you're known as the person who takes the great vacations. You know, you're, you're the successful one. See, all these different things can, can become our identity. But the problem is, is that when we place our identity on things that can go away, What happens when those things go away? We find ourselves in a crisis. When that job that was our identity is no longer there, well, how do we define who we are? When that relationship that has kind of been our defining image, it goes away, well, where where do we are? Who am I? When when that hobby that we've been really good at our our, our whole lives, you know, when we get injured or we turn 40 and we can't do it the same way anymore, right? And then you're kind of like, okay, I'm not known as the guy who's the fastest anymore. I'm the guy who they don't want on their team. You know what I mean? Like all those things in big ways and small ways are things that will define our lives if we let them, but they'll let us down. And so I believe this, that we're all on this journey of asking these questions of who am I and what am I to do? And the answer to those questions is going to determine and direct so much of how we live our life. And then if we're not careful, if we choose the wrong thing, then we're never going to get to the the fullness of life that God has promised us in Jesus. That we're always going to be trying to search for that next thing to define our lives, to give us joy, to give us love, to give us hope. But it'll be a never-ending journey. And so throughout this series, what I want to do is, is this, is I want us to look back at, at God's word and ask the question, could God's word, could the Bible give us some insight into our true identity, our true purpose? And if so, then am I living out that identity? Am I living out that purpose? And, and today to kind of just introduce this idea, I want, I want us to go back to the very, very beginning of the Bible, all the way back to the book of Genesis to Genesis chapter one and walk to the first three chapters and kind of put together the story of, of, of God's creation. Because what we're going to find is this, is that this question of identity and purpose is not a new thing. The very first people, Adam and Eve struggled with their identity and in struggling with their identity, I believe we're going to learn something about how we can struggle and by how they maybe made some wrong decisions. We're going to ask the question that's there. Are we going down that same path? So let's read this together. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start in verse 26. If not, the verses will be on the screen. But let's kind of read through this. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And so it was, verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So the Bible tells us that, that God makes and made mankind in his own image. And we see at the very beginning of God's story, God, the very beginning of God's word, his revelation to us. God takes us back to identity. And God says that that I made you, I made Adam, I made Eve. I made them in my image. I gave them an identity. That identity was that they were made like me. They were an image bearer of me. That they were made in a way where they could know me and I could know them in a personal way. They were made where I could love them, and they could experience that, and they could love me. They were made in such a way where they could serve me, and they could live for me. And God said, listen, I've created them with an identity, and then I've provided everything that they need to find that identity, to know that identity, and to live it out. But he also said, I'd also give them a purpose. Because it says that they were made in his image, but then they were made to what? He says, be fruitful and multiply, and to rule over creation. God said their purpose was to be his emissaries on this earth, to rule over God's creation in the way that God would best desire, to structure their life, to structure their existence according to how God designed the world to be. And in that very first chapter of the Bible, we see this, that God gives them, right? He gives them identity and he gives them purpose. In essence, God begins with this idea of self. And God says, okay, here's your identity. You're made in my image. Here's your purpose, to rule and to live according to how I've commanded because you're working for me. And everything that you have, everything that you need, I'll provide. I'll provide the place, I'll provide the food, I'll provide all the stuff that you need. Your identity's in me, your purpose is in me. But he also, and for me, it was was know the story, he also gave him something else because to truly have not robots, but people with relationships, he had to give them a choice. He said, I've created you with a specific self made in my image and given a purpose from me. But you have the option to either live out that self or to choose a different identity, to choose a different purpose. And if we know the story, we see what happens. Let's go to Genesis chapter two. It says this in verse eight. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So the way the Bible kind of, it's a little confusing, but the way the Bible tells it is, it summarizes God creating man and woman in chapter one. Then it goes back in chapter two and kind of begins again with just Adam and then tells how Eve came along. So when it says just the man, there, there is kind of like, it's like, well, I thought there were two. Well, there was. The, the writer's kind of given more detail in the story, okay? So it's verse 9. It says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Once again, we see that there's a purpose. There's a plan. God is providing a way of life, a purpose of life, significance in life. And the Lord God commanded them, he said, you're free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God gives them identity. He gives them purpose. He creates this idea of self, who they are. And then he gives a boundary. Because see, we oftentimes view boundaries as limiting freedom, but boundaries actually create freedom. Because what boundaries do is they say, here's where you can run, here's where you can't, and often boundaries keep us from harm. Listen, you have all the freedom in the world to drive off a cliff, right? The guardrail is a boundary. You don't have to observe that boundary. You can say, like, I don't like being held back. But the reality is that boundary is there not for your limitation, but for your protection. And so God says, listen, everything that I have created is for you, except for one thing. I want to keep you from the knowledge of evil. I want to keep you from understanding what happens when you choose to rebel against me. Because you have a choice. He he put the tree there. And he said, don't eat of this tree. Because if you eat of it, you will certainly die. Meaning the self that you were created to be will no longer be as it was. The life that you've been created to live... Will no longer be as it was because you've rejected that and embraced something else. And so let's look and see what happens. Genesis 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Now the serpent is the, our spiritual enemy, it's the, it's the devil, Satan. So, so he said to the woman, Did God really say? So he gets her to start questioning God's word. We must not eat from the tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You won't certainly die, said the serpent. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The serpent comes along and says, God's limiting you. But there's more than this. He doesn't want you to be like him. In fact, you have a self, you have an identity and a purpose that, that's way beyond God. You can actually be like God. You can become God. Just eat of the tree. Rebel against God. And so they do. They rebel against God. Now some people are like, well, when they ate, it's like, it was like Snow White when she ate the apple. Like, you know, the, the, the apple wasn't the thing. It was the boundary that was set. They chose what the Bible calls sin. They chose their way over God's way, their identity, their purpose over God's. And then when they did that, uh, it's just interesting. It says that their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. Now here's what's, you think about this. They'd been naked the whole time. Like it wasn't a new thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't like clothes disappeared and all of a sudden, okay, we're naked, Right? They'd been like that all the time, and it wasn't a big deal. Why all of a sudden? Because they realized at that moment that because of sin, something was wrong with their self. They realized that they were no longer who God created them to be. They realized that they'd made a decision that that while it seemed good, actually broke fellowship with God. And when their eyes were open. All the things that we worry about today, fear, insecurity, embarrassment, what are other people going to think, self-consciousness, all those things flooded their life. And what did they see? They said, there's something about me that somebody else might not like. This is, I should not be exposed like this. And see, what happened is, is that because of sin, they were filled with shame. And so that shame led them to, to do something. Let's keep, keep reading, verse seven. So then the eyes of both of them were open; and they realized they were naked. So here's what they did. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Because what happens when we're exposed and the, the brokenness and the insecurities of our life are made known, what happens? Well, shame comes along and then we gotta try to find something to cover up that shame, Right? We gotta try to find something so that people they don't they don't see that shame. And so for the first time, instead of trusting God's way, it says that they did something for themselves. They made coverings of fig leaves. And they begin to put on this covering. You might call it maybe they put on a mask or they put on an act, but they put on something that, that was gonna cover their shame over realizing that they were no longer good with who they were and not only that did they cover themselves so they had this relationship horizontally between adam and eve that all of a sudden we're not okay anymore we're embarrassed because now we're exposed you can see like we we can see everything not only that but then they also did this It says, and the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God in the trees of the garden. Not only did they cover themselves from each other, they hid from God. Now it says that they heard God. They knew God's movement. They knew God was coming. And then it says this, that God cries out to him. He calls out to him. Verse nine, where are you? He, Adam, answers, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So what does this have to do with our identity? Well, I think their story is my story. Their story is your story. You see, the Bible doesn't just teach us that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God but that we were all made in the image of God. That God has created us to find our identity and our purpose in him. But in Romans, the, the Apostle Paul writes that, that just as Adam and Eve did, all of us have sinned. We've rebelled against God. We've rejected God. We've substituted his given identity for us for the identity that we've embraced. We've chosen our purpose over God's purpose. That in big ways and small ways, we've all sinned. And because of that sin, we've now recognized that we're not okay. That there are things in our life that we've done that have been done to us. There are things in thoughts and desires that we have that if people saw them, they would recognize that this shame exists in our life. And so because we now feel exposed we now recognize that we have insecurities. We have fears. We have worries. We're self-conscious about who we are and how people think about us and all those things. We now have to try to figure out how do we cover that. And so, so often what we do is we do the exact same thing. We find something else to cover. And we choose what that covering is going to be. And so we have this idea of self. And i write this down. The self for us. I believe, is the me we were meant to be. It's who God made you to be. God has a plan, a purpose, an identity for every single one of us. And that true self is who he created us to be. But because of the brokenness of sin, we all experience that same shame. And that shame, really, it's it's who I'm ashamed to be. It's the thing in our life, the attitudes, the actions, the past, the decisions, the addictions, the, all the stuff in our life that, that if, if, if somebody knew that, we would die. We would be so embarrassed. We wouldn't feel like we'd ever go back to, to life group. We couldn't go back to that church because they, they know I'm not perfect. Or, or maybe that relationship, if my spouse understood this, or my girlfriend understood that, or if, if you know, kids were like, man, if my parents knew this, then this shame comes into our life and all of a sudden, We realize that we're exposed, we're vulnerable. And so we've got to come up with this act. And the act is the me that we pretend to be. It's whatever we decide to cover ourselves with. And so often those are the things that become our identity. Because the act that we put on are the things that we think other people are going to like. So if we're good enough at our job, People won't know about our shame. They won't know about our brokenness. They'll like us. If we have the right car, the right vacation, if our kids are good enough at the right sports, students, if, if I make good enough grades for my parents, if, if, my, if I sit with the right people in class, whatever that is, it's this mask and this act that we put on. And while it may seem like this isn't a big deal because everybody does it, here's where the problem comes is that if somebody loves and accepts, enjoys and appreciates the mask or the act, eventually we realize that they don't appreciate and they don't love us because they don't know this. And the self is where we experience love. The self is where we experience joy. The self, the true self, is where we find purpose. And write this down. That meaning in life, fullness in life, joy in life, meaning in life is found not in who we, is found in who we are meant to be, not in who we pretend to be. And so if we spend all of our time acting a certain way, pretending to be a certain type of person, hiding the things that make us embarrassed of, hiding our true self, we're not going to find meaning because meaning is found in the self. Not in the act. See, Adam and Eve, what they did in response was, if we go back to this, Genesis 3 7, it says, they sowed fig leaves for themselves. See, the act that we put on is never what God has created for us, it was never what God designed to give us identity. It's what we choose. But see, we we learn in the book of Acts, the New Testament book, that that everything we are, our identity, our purpose, it all comes from God. Look what it says. For in Him, talking about God, we live and we move and we have our being. In, In his book called Scary Close, Donald Miller is a Christian author talks about his own insecurities and his struggle to have really good relationships. And he he comes to understand that this this reality, and he uses this same illustration. And he says, you know, he says, listen, I, I was the self covered in shame and hiding behind an act. And because of that, he could never get past his loneliness. He could never get past this distance in his life between he and God. He could never fully open up because he was so afraid that if people knew his self and they knew the shame that he wrestled with that, that they wouldn't truly love and accept him. So he spent his whole life pretending to be somebody he thought somebody else wanted to know. And if I'm honest, there are times in my life where I'm really good at this because I'm struggling with this. And I don't think I'm alone. So here's what we're gonna do over this series is we're going to look at this idea of can we, and I believe we can, can we remove the mask? Can we let go of the shame? And can we rediscover the me that we were meant to be? Can we rediscover the me that you want to be? The me that God created you to be? The identity that God has put in you, the purpose that God has given to you, that goes way beyond our ability to choose something other than that, And how he can take that and he can reconstruct it, he can mend it, he can reform it, he can repurpose it. And that in Jesus Christ, this self can be remade and we can become so focused on his call, his words, that we don't have to worry about this because we can let this go. And we don't have to pretend to be somebody we're not. So here's the question I want to leave you with today. And I'm not going to resolve it. I want to kind of leave this out there for this week. Is where are you looking to determine the who and the what? So where are you looking to determine your who, that identity, that purpose? What's the the act? What are the things that you're, you're putting all your stock in? Because you know that if you can just do this, then people won't necessarily have to get to know the real you. And could it be that that over the next several weeks, if you'll join us, God will help break this down and bring true freedom to our life as we rediscover the me that God made us to be. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to today and I'm so grateful for your word. God, that the the struggle that we face in our own life is, is not our struggle alone. God, the, the, as we go all the way back to the very beginning of your your story, of the very first humans, God, Adam and Eve, they, they had the same choice that we have. Where are they gonna look to determine their who and their what, their identity and their purpose? And God, I pray as we spend this time, God, just reflecting on that, God, singing this song to you, this song called Simple Gospel, that this talks about the promise that we can have that that in Jesus, that 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 self that's broken, that's hiding behind the shame, God, that it can be made new. We can be forgiven. We can see that we're valued. God, we can see that we're capable because of you to, to live life to its fullest. God, that we can be forgiven. And so God, I pray today that you would begin to, to break the mask that we wear, to soften our hearts what you want to say to us over the weeks of this series. And God, that today you would bring us just face-to-face with this question of where are we looking Are we looking to the right place? Are we looking to you? Or have we substituted your identity for us? Your purpose for us with something else? God, we give this time to you. God, our prayer team is gonna be on the side by the the, the prayer walls and those blue lights that are over there, God. And if we need to come, God, we're invited. If we need prayer for something in our life, they'll be available to us. But God, whatever we need to do today, God, don't let us leave before we really spend some time thinking about your truth. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.